Hello, welcome back. Um, it's just Ilias and I uh, recording uh, this evening. It is uh, February 15th, 2023. Um, the <coughs> There's news dropping everywhere on, on this case, and we wanted to kind of go back over some stuff we already went over. Uh, our avid listeners will, re will remember that we spent quite a bit of time talking about BZP and the misclassification of drugs um, for the Hinton Lab case. And um, as it turns out, uh, that was absolutely uh, something that the inspector general had flagged unbeknownst to, uh, well, no, we knew that, but we didn't know uh, what the extent was, and we didn't know that they also um, had a criminal referral against Charles Salemi because of it. So, um, in uh, before I get going, Elias, you want to start something? Yeah, I, I think you know we don't have uh, we don't have a, a breaking news sound effect. We should, um, <laughs> but I think the listener needs to understand that this is breaking news. Uh, in that it's not breaking news if you've listened to the podcast. Uh, but it's breaking news if you read the the newspapers uh, as your sole source of information, um, and it's also breaking news in terms of what information we're finally able to see. Uh, so we're going to go through today documents that have not seen the light of day before, um, and uh, in 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 principally because one um, uh, organization has been fighting its release or their release, right? And the viewer can guess that organization, right? It's, it, it, um, it, it, its full official name starts with the Commonwealth and ends with Massachusetts and you get uh, to guess what the middle word is. Um, <laughs> but uh, they've been fighting it and, and we, we teed this up, right? Uh, last time that there were unnamed criminal referrals uh, that we weren't allowed to know uh, anything about, right? That was how we left it, but they're going to be released. Well, they've been released. Um, and there's a bunch of them, and they all touch and concern things we've already covered here. Um, but we're going to try to do this uh, chronologically and also in a way that ties back some of this to things we previously covered um, and then let the viewer decide, or the listener decide whether huh, this would have been cool stuff to know back in, you know, 2013, 14, and 15. Right. Um, and so, CPCS did a great job getting this. They were dogged, did a great job um, not giving up, forcing this. There was a 50-year, uh, they wanted to put it, a judge wanted to lock this up for 50 years. Like, what the fuck is going on? Right. That's This is absurd that that they wanted that to happen. Like, um, you don't want anyone's feelings to get hurt. Yeah. And like, I think what that's... the hell? Like, is this the JFK murder? Like, what are they doing? All right. right. So, uh, August 18th, 2014. Um, this is for th this is a letter, um, referral for referral of criminal matter for the Hinton Drug Lab. It was sent to, uh, Sheila M. Uh, Calkins, and um, it states, Dear Ms. Calkins, pursuant to Massachusetts general law, blah, 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 
I am writing to, to you to report that I have a reasonable grounds to believe that there has been a violation of state criminal law by former Hinton Drug Lab employees related to their reporting. It says employees there uh, to their reporting of the drug. Uh, uh, can you pronounce that? Benzip. It, it's BZP, but it's. Benzip. I'm just going to I'm going to just go out on a limb and because I've, I've done enough pharmaceutical litigation to know that they always put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. So it's probably <laughs> benzyl pipe uh, pip parazine. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, as a controlled substance, it's known as BZP. BZP is a drug most commonly used to create a form of ecstasy. Uh, ecstasy is typically created using the drug, uh, actually, it's MDMA. MDMA is classified under the Massachusetts General Laws as a Class B controlled substance. Although BZP has been federally classified as a Schedule I controlled substance, the Commonwealth has not yet amended its drug laws to make BZP illegal. This drug was legal. <laughs> Loophole, but it was still legal. Well, and to, right, and 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 to be clear, you know, not only is it not illegal, but uh, not not to jump ahead, but they came up with a, a, a sort of a contorted logic say that this would be a class E and class E drugs are also not illegal, right? Class right. E is anything that you need to have a, a prescription. And if you have it and you have a prescription for it, you're fine. That's not illegal. Right. Um, so the, the fact that it's, it's, you know, this is the, 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 the someone's idea of a backdoor into the drug laws to say that it's just class E. I mean, by that logic, anything could be class E, right? Peanut butter right. could be classy. And, and what you and I both know is that the only reason they made this classy is because you don't need a machine or to run a drug test on a classy substance. It is a visual identification. Um, so that is why they did it. So they could just call whatever they want. They, classy is their quote unquote catch all which means they can call whatever drug they want a Class E and not have to actually test it. So right, and we're going to get into, you know, nothing nothing could go wrong there, right, when you don't no. have to actually test. But we'll get no. into stuff that can go wrong. Now, uh, this ref criminal referral, and people, I think, are now familiar with criminal referrals because that's what happens when you have somebody in the government look at something for more than five minutes. Uh, <laughs> usually there's some statutory obligation or or uh, uh, perhaps right uh, to recommend that an independent or separate prosecutor look into the charges because that's outside of the purview of of the investigation. And so this letter was this criminal referral uh, letter is from the OIG, and I think it's also neat to see who is cc'd on this uh, letter. Um, you know, meaning who can't say they they didn't see it. Um, right. And you have the Inspector General uh, uh, Glenn Cunha, and then you also have John Verner, and we'll we'll mention his names uh, uh, his name a few times. Yes. Um, but so this is to 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 the uh, Mass Attorney General's office saying you need to look into this, um, and it doesn't say it, but uh, you couldn't have accidentally uh, separate chemists working separately couldn't have accidentally 
100% of the time said BZP is illegal. Right. Right. So meaning this was a coordinated effort to break the law, which is, I think, what like the whole criminal justice system is all about, right? A concerted effort to break the law is bad, uh, to, to summarize everything down to one word. And so that seems like where the, a, the, the attorney general's office should have kicked in. And, uh, you know, maybe there's stuff we don't know, but I don't think they did. No, and let, let's face it, all of this work helped convict people. So it helped the people who are then charged with investigating this stuff, right? And by the way, if you go really deep in on this, you would see why it was being done. No one ever asks why Charles Salemi and the Hinton Lab was doing this stuff, and we'll get to that too. Yeah. It says, based on our limited review, it appears that when police seize pills that looked like ecstasy, they assumed it was MDMA and obtained charges related to possession of a Class B substance. At at the Hinton Drug Lab, when chemists analyzed this evidence and reached a finding of BZP, they issued a certificate of analysis certifying that the substance was a Class E uh, subsection B drug, which is prescription drug other than those included in classes A, B, C, D, um, and subsection A of this class. <laughs> Given its federal classification of as a scheduled one drug, it is clear that BZP could not be considered a pres prescription drug. Right. So it makes no sense for them to call it a prescription drug unless you consider the fact that they didn't have to test it. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's two things. I don't know, uh, as I sit here right now, um, I, I, I feel like I did see uh, uh, GCMS results involving BZP. So I don't know. I, I'm going to just to say, I don't know whether they uniformly didn't test them or did test them. You're 100% right that classy pills, uh, uh, you know, stamped pills like the ibuprofen you take or the Claritin you take, they didn't have to test that. They could just open the big book of, of, of pictures of drugs. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And flip through it till you see a pill that looks kind of like it and then be like, there it is. Uh, and obviously that process uh, was uh, fallible. We'll get to that. But um, so I don't know. I think if you thought it was MDA, you'd have to test it. Right. And then what happens, the problem is the machine spits out a result and you don't like that result because it says BZP, which it might as well say it was powder sugar, right? It might as well say it was, um, uh, 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 you know, a Jolly Rancher. It's not illegal. Right. And so somebody thought about this long enough to say, well, it will just say it's class E and we'll do it 100 percent of the time. I mean, I'm not aware if you could show me one case where they certified that BZP was simply nothing. It was not it's not class E. It just says we certify that this is good old made in the USA BZP. I will think differently. But until someone shows me that. I think this was done 100% intentionally, uniformly, and with the very specific intent that somebody knew. Uh, and we know, we know this because Annie Dukin um, talked about this. We covered this, right? Annie Dukin talked about this with none other than Sonia Farak. What right. do we do about BZP? Well, we just say it's class E. Great. Let's keep doing it. Yeah, we want to. Well, they, what they were doing was coordinating their lies on the stand because they were both testifying the same day. 
Um, they were both testifying in cases they knew had BZP involved. And they said, like, I mean, she didn't say lie, but she essentially, what what are we calling BZP? Right. And, and we know it's scheduled one, but it's not illegal in mass. What are we saying? Like, like they knew. <laughs> and right. neither one of them were charged with that. Neither one were charged. Well, let, let's just say if you don't have to send each other an email to ask how, how do you truthfully testify? So, right. right uh, uh, you know, Mark Twain said, I always tell the truth so that I can remember what I told somebody. Um, but, you know, you have to plan the lie because you won't remember and you won't. Right. So, um, but uh, so uh, reading on. Yeah. Um, there, there is evidence to suggest that chemists, including Hinton Drug Lab Supervisor Charles Salemi, knew that BZP was not a controlled substance under Massachusetts law, but caused cert certificates of analysis to be issued stating that BZP was a legal Class E substance. Certain criminal defendants have been convicted of charges related to Hinton's false reporting of BZP as a Class E substance. The OIG is in the process of identifying and notifying district attorney's offices, which defendants have been wrongfully convicted. What nothing, have you ever heard of a single charge being dismissed? Did they do anything? Um, I, ha I haven't, but I, I will concede that this is probably below even the media's radar. Yeah. I'm not sure how I would know. I mean, the media knows about this, right? Because yes. this was disclosed in 2016. And it, uh, again, this was something, the date of this referral letter, uh, if you uh, can remind me, uh, but I believe it was November of, two, uh, no, excuse me, August of August 2014. Of 2014. So this is like yeah. a few months after the big, fancy, multi-million dollar OIG report. And that that doesn't mention BZP at all. And suddenly, a couple months later, they're like, ah, maybe some prosecutors should look at this practice. Um, and um, and then they don't publicly disclose it until uh, a year and a half later in February or so of 2016. Right. And uh, and so the, the point is they knew about it and they just didn't tell anybody. And right. when it did get released, it 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 drew zero fanfare right i you know this is the the outrageous part of this case is that if that just the what, what you've been reading should never happen in a civilized society no. and yet, because it's bzp it sounds like a party drug nobody cares right no. defendants were wrongfully convicted for something that's not illegal and chemists uh, uh, across the board were were issuing false and and and, and i would say knowingly false um, certifications, uh, that, you know, government employees who, and to do it in court, they would have had to swear an oath. So they would have had to have perjured themselves. And, 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 and I don't, I'm not saying any of those cases went to trial. I don't know, but that's what they were prepared to do was go to court and, and lie under oath, um, to protect their cert. And this didn't cause even, uh, uh, uh you know, a flicker of outrage in the news. Um, no. But 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 importantly, it references Charles Salemi, who's the Hinton Drug Lab um, supervisor. But I don't understand why that's relevant because we know, and we're going to get to, I think shortly, that this practice was not limited to Hinton. No, right. The, so the, it should have this should have gone immediately up to the highest level 
that knew about it. And we know that the highest level that knew about this was, was Julianne Nassif. Right. So why does this re referral say chemists, including the guy who's not the top, not the top dog? Yep. Uh, that's interesting. So it says, based on these facts, the Office of the Inspector General has reasonable grounds to believe that there has been a violation of state criminal law by the Hinton Drug Lab chemists, including all they do is ever name Charles Salemi. <laughs> they say the chemists, including right. Charles, like Charles Salemi. Right. It's like a trail <laughs> of breadcrumbs leading to the prosecute Charles Salemi, but not Julianne Nassif door. Right. They're, they're, they're you couldn't suggest it any more obviously who you want to be prosecuted and, and who you don't want to be prosecuted. Right. And so it says specifically that they willfully misled a prosecutor. Oh, by the way, let me just pause right there. Prosecutor's whole job is to know the law, correct? Should they know what's, what's legal and illegal or am I yeah. asking for too much? Well, look, uh, my, my mentor, you know, as a lawyer, uh, I, I have to, sort of answered this question with with some empiricism okay. my my mentor said there's two types of lawyers those that believe snakes live in law books and those that don't and if you don't open up a law book you're not going to know yep and okay. i spend probably half my day reading the law because you have to yep. but i can say with some confidence that i'm not so sure every other lawyer does that the same so right but so, but, but at the end of the day, like, I'm sorry, if you're sending someone to jail, the least you could do is check to make sure that what they had is actually effing illegal. Yeah. And I will just say, to be fair, I think the unfortunate and probably overworked and underfunded CP, CPCS attorneys um, should, should have known too. I mean, I think to be fair, I I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that they uh, uh, are a hundred percent to blame. Um, but I think there's blame to go around. Um, but the difference between, you know, the only remedy for a negligent criminal defense attorney is, uh, you know, ethical proceedings or a malpractice case. But right. we, uh, you know, have, I think, higher expectations uh, of our prosecutors. And, right. and so I think that's, and, and I think we also have um, um, higher expectations of the people who work in the position like police or drug lab chemists who have, you know, we rely on them to be uh, 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 purveyors of the truth. Right. Right. I mean, that's what, well, that's, that's how what... they, per that's how they portray themselves in court. Like right. I am a, like Annie Dukin, I always say it was, was dynamite in her fake role that she made up as this super professional sciencey talking con artist who got dressed up in her finest business suit, you know, fresh pressed, ready to go, had it in her car, she said, um, ready to go to trial. And she'd get out, she'd look smart, she wore glasses, she looked like she knew what she was talking about, and she was lying the whole fucking time about right. everything that she did. And she was also instructing prosecutors to not ask her specific questions on the stand about things that she couldn't answer or things that would make the lab look bad. Right. Um, and I, I don't want to, I don't know if you want to keep going, staying on BZP. Um, well, I, I just want to jump to, yeah. I want to jump to, so then in September, 
at September 5th, 2014, Tara McGuire from the DAA sends out an email to like all the district attorneys in Massachusetts. And it said to the DAs, Glenn uh, Chuna, the inspector general called me to notify you of another issue from the Hinton lab. During the course of their investigation, the inspector general learned that when a substance tested positive for BZP, the chemist would issue a drug certificate stating the substance was a class E drug um, or occasionally listed as a class B. That was nowhere to be found in the criminal referral. Although BZP is an illegal drug under federal law, it is not yet illegal in Massachusetts. Not yet illegal. They're like, they're hedging. They're always hedging. Right. This wasn't really our fault. It's going to be illegal. The inspector general's office has found 170 cases where this type of certificate was issued and estimates approximately 20 of those resulted in conviction. 20 people were sent to jail for something that was not illegal. They're going to send out specific case information to you next week. Although the inspector general only investigated the Hinton lab, it appears possible that some of the chemists at the Amherst lab may have been doing the same thing. The Mass State Police is now investigating the Amherst cases. Where was that in the criminal referral? Right. And and by the way, how how do you think that uh, Mass State Police investigation went? Because <laughs> who else was who else was certifying BZP as Class E? <laughs> the thing I don't get, Ilias, is why do they even investigate if they know they're just going to sweep it under the rug? Right. Like why go through the dog and pony show? They love to play pretend. At this point, I do not have any specific information on which cases were involved, except many were out of Suffolk and uh, D.A. Connolly was notified in August and <laughs> did nothing. If you have any immediate questions, please blah, 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 blah. All right. So that was sent on September 5th. Now, hold on. I just got to scroll up to find my one of my favorite email. This is my favorite email. One of my favorite emails of all the stuff that I have found looking at this case. Um, it's from John Verner, and it's to all the DAs um, across the, the one state. that begins, folks. Yeah, folks. folks. Not me. Not me. Other folks. All right. I understand, and this was sent September tenth, twenty fourteen. I understand you recently received information from the Inspector General's office regarding the Hinton Drug Lab and their labeling of a substance known as BZP as a Class E substance. Late last week, an AAG and I had an opportunity to sit down with the Inspector General's office to discuss their findings regarding BZP. As you have been made aware, BZT, blah, 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 he just goes over the MDA, he just goes over the classification. I like that he says it's not actually illegal in Massachusetts, which is a really funny uh, qualifier. Like yeah. they're like you know uh, actually illegal and and not actually I mean, right. It's it's not actually illegal is also it's not illegal. Yep, he says specifically. Therefore, it is incorrect legally to call BZP a controlled substance class E drug if the substance tested contained only BZP. During the discussion, we realized that the Amherst lab may have also treated BZP in the same manner as Hinton. Based on that information, we spoke to Mass State 
Police Laboratory Director Kristen Sullivan and learned that Mass State Police and the Amherst Lab did indeed treat BZP in the same manner as Hinton. They were all doing it. The Mass State Police did this. And it has uh-huh. is, is never, ever been said that they had any kind of misconduct or taint. Uh, was that in the supplemental OIG report? I mean, it's been so long. No. That I don't no. remember. But I, I thought that they, in the supplemental, they said that that was a, a hint in practice. It um, was. They did. Discovered, they, they discovered in the course of retesting drugs that hadn't even started yet at the time of the email that you're reading from. So right. that, that's fascinating. That is fascinating because they had it as the end all be all. But meanwhile, the Mass State Police were doing that. Why were they doing that? It had to be a coordinated effort throughout the state. Kristen also told me that in 2012, it was determined by the Mass State Police Lab that BZP should not be classified as a Class E substance and that practice was discontinued. Kristen also told me that Mass State Police is prepared to issue a corrective report uh, as needed on BZP cases, whether the finding was one of BZP alone in a pill or BZP and a substance of higher class together in a pill discussed further below. Uh, Kristen was kind enough to work quickly to to identify all cases containing why she wasn't kind enough to do this when she fucking found that they were doing it is beyond me. Why didn't she have this? Why didn't she contact people and saying, hey, there's people in jail right now that should not be in jail. Oh, that's right. We have to wait for the inspector general to call us out on our shit. And then we'll actually look into this, and then we won't send the letter saying these people should get out of jail. Kristen was kind enough to work quickly to identify all cases containing BZP for the Mass State Police Lab and the Amherst Lab. The first spreadsheet contains cases for the Mass State Police Lab. In total, there were 36 cases were called Class E substance and should not have been. What is not said here, Ilias? In those 36 cases, if one of them went to trial, if 10 of them went to trial, that means that mass state police chemists lied on the stand knowingly, right? And misclassified this information. I I understand you will be able to look up the lab case number, blah, 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 blah. The second spreadsheet from the Amherst lab, the first 38 cases are findings of BZP only. Cases 39 through 198 are MDMA cases. Of those cases, column H reflects that there is a combination of MDMA and another drug. I am told by the lab that if there is a finding of MDMA, then the substance is a controlled substance. The the cases are listed here because MDMA and BZP are commonly found in ecstasy pills, sometimes in combination. So the the point of this email is to tell people that this isn't a Hinton problem. This was a Massachusetts problem, that Amherst did it, the Mass State Police were doing it, and Hinton was doing it. And somehow I just pulled up the OIG supplemental report in 2016. They say that during the course of retesting, which is not true because that retesting hadn't started yet at the time of that email, we discovered that the Hinton lab certified BZP incorrectly. Right. And, And Foxy. And we know that that's uh, uh, misleading because actually there were other substances, including Molly, that were discovered to be wrongfully certified as, as Class E. But how did this get suppressed? 
Um, how did the OIG, which had, a, I, I believe, a duty uh, to investigate uh, and to report on any malfeasance that it was aware of, right? I don't think it was asked, hey, just look at Hinton and, and look the other way for everything else. I think if they discovered problems at Amherst or at the Mass State Police, and it was the same practice that was at Hinton, I think they had an obligation to report it. And it's certainly misleading to suggest that the problem is limited to, uh, to uh, Hinton. They could have easily dropped a footnote and said, we're not saying it didn't happen anywhere else. In fact, it did happen other places. Someone else should look at that because I guess we're not going to. Right, right. And then they look into it, they find it. And I mean, they could have dismissed all the cases. They could have, I guess, Talk to the people, but I just don't think that that happened. I don't think I, some lawyer somewhere would have shaken that tree. I I I just have to believe maybe not, but dude, to me, I mean, we've been over this before, like I said, but again, this is like they they just had this big revelation. I have talked personally over the last ten years, multiple times, with Deborah Becker from WBUR with Andrea Estes from the Boston Globe. They know who I am. I have given them thousands of documents each, including this. They have never, ever reported this. Well, because you're, you're not a government source. Right. And you're not government documents. I mean, you have government documents, but you're, you know, you, the problem is that, that you're always going to be um, the, 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 the uh, lesser uh, option when it comes to getting uh, information, you know, most reporters, you know, their their stock and trade is getting unnamed government officials to give them stuff. But and, dude, it, you know, it, I, yeah, I so, get that excuse, but I don't get that excuse because who gives a shit who I am? No, this, it's, it's this, not an excuse. I think it's a it's it's a it's a it's a problem with our media. Right. right? I'm not faulting individual reporters. Um, I'm faulting the editorial uh, desks and the, the, the general bent of media. And I've had similar conversations as you where I've, I've been told that, um, that all of this is old news. Even if it's <laughs> never been revealed before, they say, well, it's old news. And, and it can't, you can't have it both ways. And, 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 one of, and, and the other argument is, well, nobody cares. Well, if you don't report on it, then of course nobody cares. Right. And why so, do people care now? And see, this is the nut punch. They've told me the same stuff. And then they come out with this new, like, oh, a new revelation that uh, we were personally told about, you know, three right. years ago. That this Look at this new revelation. It only matters when a court says it, when a right. court releases it. You know, that's when it matters. But it doesn't matter when I show them that the state police have a taint on them from the attorney general's office. This is the official attorney general memoranda that they sent around to everyone in the States, one of their emails, and yeah. it cannot report it, will not report it. And yeah. I find it funny that they're coming out with this stuff after Glenn Chuna or Kuna retired, right? All th This stuff was all known before he was retired. We didn't know about the criminal referrals. That is new. Um, but who, like, to me, who cares about the criminal referrals? It's about the behavior. Right. Let's, the behavior. Uh, 
right. let's, so we were going to go chronologically and I think we actually skipped one so let's let's we're going to go off BZP unless you want to add any sure, no 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 it. let's go off that's fine okay so next so this should have been the first one we did but on December 11th 2013 yep um and that is um uh this is a, a letter from um uh OIG's office uh to the Massachusetts um the first assistant attorney general and it's a referral of a criminal matter title Julianne Nassif so I know earlier I said they're trying to protect Nassif but I would say that maybe they're trying to protect Nassif from a widening inquiry because they had already sent a criminal referral um for her or with respect to her in December of 2013 and for context I think people need to understand that in December of 2013, I think this was all still breaking Annie, Annie Dukin news. Yes. Right? There had been no report of any um, malfeasance or um, or, uh, or um, um, questionable behavior by anybody else. Um, and, uh, and I think this was at the time that Annie Dukin was being convicted. I'm not exactly sure, but sometime in December of, of 2013. Uh, and so here comes a letter to the attorney general's office from the OIG's office. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know if you want to read it um, or I'll- No, you, you do it, yeah. Okay, so um, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the story was that in early, in, in, uh, or maybe I, I might have my years wrong because I think Annie Dukin, all that broke in, in 2012. Um, is that right? It's been so long now. Yeah, okay. Annie Dukin broke into September of 2012. Right, so she may have been convicted in, in December of 2012. I'm not 100% sure. Well, yeah, but... she took a plea. They started the trial. I think it was, honestly, I think it was the next year. It may have been yeah. a year later. The years blur together. But, but in any event, she Nassif was interviewed by the state police on December 5th, 2012. Um, and uh, she stated... Uh, in that interview, that a chemist, Peter Pirro, had notified her that Annie Dukin had improperly written Nicole Medina, another chemist's initials, on a document, um, uh, and it also raised concerns regarding a QC mix. So basically, long and short of it is that Nassif told the state police that somebody else told her that Annie Dukin had forged a chemist's initials, which you're not supposed to do, not surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and so that sounds like to me, like something probably pretty serious. And, uh, and I'm guessing because it's in a ref criminal referral from OIG to AG's office that, that they agree with that. Um, however, when Nassif was, um, uh, uh, she also claimed that she told, um, took the information and gave it to uh, attorney Chilean, who was doing the internal investigation for DPH. That was that investigation in early 2012 um, that had uh, uh, preceded uh, the, uh, all of this hitting the news. Right. And Attorney Chilean testified under oath at the Office of Inspector General, and he said that it was not true what Ms. Nassif had said, and that if, if, he, uh, if he had received that information, he would have noted it in his interview notes. <laughs> and so now you have the, you have the classic problem of okay someone's lying and who's lying right and so here's a criminal referral 
which makes it seem like it's Julianne Nassif flying, and that may well be. And I think right. that that right there in December of 2013, this is before the OIG report came out, that's lying to a police officer, yep. um, and that's illegal. And um, But the other option is that Attorney Chilean is lying, and that's a problem because he was the DPH um, investigator. And if people will remember, this all started because Annie Dukin got caught uh, taking samples out of the evidence room in what was called the June breach. And then the dis in inquiry into the June breach led to discovery that there had been a May breach. And this was all pawed around for most of 2011 into early 2012. Uh, uh, Chilean investigated and was, uh, I think, later claimed he wasn't told all these things. But there's sort of this perception that maybe that investigation was meant to tie this all off rather than widen it. Yeah. And so it's very uh, interesting that you now have uh, uh, two people uh, close to this issue uh, saying contradictory things. And so to me, that should have widened the investigation. Instead, what happens is the OIG says nothing happened. Right. <laughs> If, if it wasn't Annie Dukin, it didn't happen. She was a sole bad actor. So this is even before their report, there was a criminal referral for Julianne Nassif. And this was never revealed to the public until basically this week. And, and it has been known, we have, you know, like, you don't know how maddening it is to know something like this, to see something so obvious. And then to have, I mean, I think our listeners know that if you pay attention to any of the stories now that you have been listening to our podcast and any of the stories that like, quote unquote, break, you see how ridiculous it is that they're all they're doing is controlling the narrative. All they're doing is trickling out little bits and pieces of information of stuff that, you know, has been out there in one form or another. But it, it's it's just kind of maddening to to see all this stuff come out, right. and it, and to know in, in like in the form that it comes out and the way it's told, it's just so silly because they're they're selling a false narrative continually. They are always, if you notice, Ilias, they're always blaming the chemists and the DPH, and you never ever see them say anything about prosecutors. Right. Well, it, right. And I think what's maddening is it's it's 10 years after the fact. Right. And, and, and I know you mentioned JFK. And I think anyone who's sort of casually familiar with that knows that most of what's known today was not known um, during the Warren Commission. And it came out in drips and drabs later. Uh, and in fact, it was the 70s that shook open um, a, a, a lot of information. And uh, also, um, th there was a break-in into an FBI office that that stole a bunch of documents that revealed uh, all kinds of uh, uh, malfeasance going on at the FBI. Yeah, in um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, and and so you know it was so basically what happened here was nobody broke into the government's <laughs> office and disseminated uh, 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 information that was uh, you know being hidden, uh, and so so it took lawyers litigating this issue and we're 10 years now after the criminal well are we uh we're not we're in our 10th year not yep. quite 10 years but but we're almost a decade after the criminal referral involving julian nasif and nobody 
including people who have looked at this with some amount of uh, uh, detail had heard of this. Right. Right. And that's, it's, it's been shocking. sitting there since 2013, 2013, 2014, like all the way back. And they just sit on it and they release reports that are knowing fabrications and, and they yeah. don't care. It's and so I think crazy. Chris, I think Chris commented on this last week or last time, but, but I get that, you know, criminal referrals don't necessarily mean anything. And you could be subject to a criminal referral and still be innocent. And you, in fact, are presumed innocent. I get all that. But the difference here is that you have a lot of people who have Brady rights associated with this, right? These are your constitutional rights as an accused in a drug case. And if there's been malfeasance uh, or anything that, that could be used um, in an exculpatory fashion, that has to be turned over. So this is a huge, uh, you know, I think clusterfuck is the only right word for this. Yeah. Uh, and and the best course would have just been to say, you know, you know what, here's everything public. We'll, we'll you know, we'll figure this out, but here's everything. Yeah, here's Instead, everything. We, was, we fucked up. Hidden. We, <clears throat> you know, we didn't want, we were, we feared for public safety. We didn't want people getting out of jail that were bad you know like there's a way to handle it and to make it you know and to sell this because i'm sure a lot of it and it's not even selling it because a lot of that is is the truth right they didn't want a mass exodus of our prisons um well you know from in, in dangerous criminals getting out i'm sure that was part of it but also a huge part of all of this was saving face yeah, and, I'm, and yeah, I'm not sure I buy the dangerous criminal thing. I know that's what they say. Yeah, I mean, certainly the the people found with BZP are probably not dangerous criminals. Um, no, 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 know, no. And and uh, uh, a lot of the people arrested for crack uh, or oxy are <laughs> addicted uh, and are you know um, not the, the what what you think of when you think of you know a violent criminal. Um, And I think what this what this had to do, you know, Luke Ryan said it was a confidence scheme. And this is letting the public know how you do your magic trick. And you can't. Right. That's the first rule. And the only rule of magic is you can't disclose how the trick is done. Yeah. Because once you do it, magicians are out of business. Correct. And that's what everyone knows and everyone looks for it. And the trick is out. They're still bringing people to jail. And they're still running the same confidence scheme that they've always run. It's just different, a different lab, a lab that we're supposed to believe is way more um, compliant. Um, and it's bullshit because I know like the, the state police have violated, like I've said before, have violated the public record laws withholding emails between chemists and prosecutors. One prosecutor in particular, Deb Curley, AKA Deb Payton, who told Annie Dukin she had a personal vendetta against the defendant in the past. I know her stripes have not changed. I've seen her recent emails. She's still a prosecutor for Norfolk County. I've seen her emails with chemists. They're very personal. They're very, you know, like rah, rah, let's go lock them in jail. And they're refusing to, uh, they're withholding all these like 300 something emails that I got in a search um, and I got this, the secretary of state's office to agree with me and they're still withholding them because I know 
what's in there and we know what's in there it's it's more of the same bullshit the annie dukin bullshit where they're like convict them fuck them like let's lock them in jail these guys are pieces of shit like they say all that stuff and uh and that's the and that's why i say the 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 main part of this is that mentality that is driven into the heads of these chemists from the prosecutors from people of authority saying that um our streets are not safe unless you lock these people in jail and that's why you got what you got from the hidden lab and that's why Andy dukin was not the lone bad actor and they're still not there they still are not focused they, they're having criminal referrals they will gladly throw these people in jail for doing their bidding it's amazing isn't it Ilias? like they, they, they tell them hey this this guy's dangerous he needs to go to jail oh my findings are uh this is neg you know the, the the results are negative oh i'm gonna change that because i don't want this dangerous criminal out on the street you know right. like at what yeah. point at what point do we start calling a spade a spade well yeah uh we, let's think about that as we move to the next yes uh, referral letter now this one i, I i'll just say I can't tell if this was in fact sent, but mo the, all that matters is somebody wrote it. So somebody at OIG wrote a referral letter uh, to the AG's office. Um, and uh, this one references Foxy for the first time and Molly. Right. And people don't need to know what Molly uh, and, and Foxy are, uh, largely because I don't know what they are. But they're sort of related to, uh, I'll just call them cousins of ecstasy. And um, and just as BZP was not illegal, um, uh, Molly and Foxy uh, uh, were, were not either. Um, or, or rather, Molly had been added late in the game, and Foxy still hadn't been added. And what's interesting is, once again, things disappear before they make it into the OIG report. And while Foxy is mentioned because it was like PZP not illegal, um, there's no mention of false certifications of Molly before the drug laws were amended. So why is that not mentioned in the OIG supplemental report? Right. Right. And there's and I think we we found or when Chris sent those OIG materials, Ilias, there was thousands, there was hundreds of drugs listed that um, that I think were part of this. They, they say it's a catch-all. Um, I've never seen like a, a document linking linking A to B, but I just remember seeing a list of all these different drugs in a spreadsheet that um, that the OIG had, and um, it like without context, but like BZP was on there, Molly was on there, Foxy was on there along with all like a million other drugs I haven't heard of. You know, this is what they do. Again, this is the magic trick. New drug, not classified. We don't know what the fuck it is. You're going to jail, it's class E. Sorry, buddy. You know, like, I mean, that's their catch-all. Right, and um, you know, the, 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 the fact that, that Molly doesn't get mentioned um, is, uh, you know, I, I think that would need to be explained, meaning if you think that it's not relevant because M Molly is now illegal, but you knew there were false certifications before, why is that not germane to an investigation 
that ostensibly covered the time period, you know, 2002 to 2012, or the supplemental report of that same time uh, period, why is that not mentioned? So, uh, you know, I don't care what, what when the law gets changed. Right. That That's right? irrelevant. What what happened at the time when people went to jail? You think people give a shit? <laughs> like, right. the law, oh, oh, the law is going to be changed, though. It was filed this. Like, they say that is like amendments and all their things. Oh, it was filed this week, even though all these cases are from this year and three years ago. But whatever. It's unbelievable. Um, so you want me to do the June 10th, 2015 one? Sure. All right. June 10th, 2015. Another letter from Glenn Chuna to um, o, uh, Colin Owang. I'm, I'm just not going to go. Yeah, you're there. not going to pronounce it right, but, no, but this no. is a deputy attorney general. And I and I per, I prefer the name Owang. I, I want to I want to think that that's how it's pronounced. Pursuant to, I, I am writing you to report that I have reasonable grounds to believe that there may have been violations of state criminal law by certain chemists. Uh, first of all, oh, wait a minute, let me just go back to BZP for one quick second. <laughs> let, let me just go back. Yeah, yeah. He said certain chemists, but he only named the supervisor. Like how many other chemists were there? Right. If you're going to make a criminal referral, what the hell's the point if you don't list the names of the people who you're referring for criminal activity? Anyways, right. he does that here. We have received certain results back from an independent out-of-state laboratory, thank God, and NMS labs, which are inconsistent with hidden drug lab results and may suggest that criminal acts were committed in those instances specifically the following cases, sample B080823, with respect to this sample, Annie Dukin is the primary chemist made a preliminary identification of the sample as unknown based on negative bench tests. <laughs> the sample was run twice on the GCMS instrument and both times the GCMS found cocaine. The Hinton lab confirmed the sample as cocaine class B. When NMS tested the sample, it found no controlled substances. Oh my God, dude, what the fuck? Like, she didn't even. Why did she test it twice, Elias? That's my question. Well, if she's just gonna yeah. lie. Like, why? Why do it twice? Well, I mean, this this is. We'll get to this more maybe in the next one because I know a little bit about the next one. But um, the. Um, the, the 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 cover story that I think the public has accepted is that there was the lab it was um, understaffed and had a huge backlog, and so poor little Annie Dukin was kind of like you know Lucille Ball at the chocolate factory, right. and she was doing whatever she could by hook or by crook to test these things, um, and uh, you know. Much the way that that um, I love Lucy, she was you know sho shoving chocolate in her pockets in her mouth anywhere she could get them off the conveyor belt. Um, the problem with that cover story, one is that it wasn't limited to Annie Dukin. We know that we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna we've been talking about that. Other people were doing bad things. Um, two, the bad things always seem to err on the side of convictions, right? 
I mean, I'd be pissed if I found out that there was a chemist who said, yeah, I tested 300 samples this week and none of them had drugs. And then you find out that the person hadn't tested any of them and was just playing video games in the basement. I'd be, I guess, <laughs> I, I guess I'd be upset. But, but at maybe least, if I was the one going to fucking jail, but at least that guy had the sense not to err on the side of conviction. Right? Right. He was like, I looked and there were no drugs. You yeah. Know? And, and so um, that's, that, that could be laziness, but here, what we know is that they went out of their way when a sample was negative, they tested it more than once. And if you were just going to spike stuff, then just spike everything. So yep. why why did you test it more than once? Some of these samples are tested multiple times, four or five times. How many times do you need to spike something? Um, and Annie, Luke, Annie Dukin was supposedly dry labbing, which means she wasn't testing it. But what you find out, um, uh, including in this one that you just read, is she did the bench test and it came back unknown. So the evidence for dry labbing is actually pretty thin. The evidence yeah. for rushing and trying to catch up with a backlog is, is actually controverted. The reality is this was a conviction mill designed to do whatever it took to get a positive result when the case needed it. I'm not saying they did it every case because if you have seven samples on somebody and two of them are negative, who cares? Because you have five positives. Right. But if that's the only sample and you need to convict this guy, you're going to do what it takes. Right. So, uh, so, so uh, I don't know if you want to do go in order, and we don't. No, let's skip though. over the the Dukin one, and let's skip right to Sasha Haynes. Right but before, here. well, hold on. Before you skip over the Dukin one, this sample two, that's uh -huh. my client's sample. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I and I just want to say that while that that summary uh, uh, in the referral is um, is some is is accurate in that I don't see any fact that's wrong, but I see omitted facts. Um, and that was, this was the sample that I now know, uh, and my client has always said was a cashew, and it was uh, run, uh, it says twice on the GCMS, I guess that's true, first time no peaks, I think that's true, second time found cocaine, certified it as cocaine. What they leave out is that Annie Dukin did do bench tests, which were equivocal, which means, you know, there's, you're looking for color changes. And if you see kind of a color change, but not really, that's a suggestion that maybe this is not, a, that's not a hit. So she did, she noted they were equivocal. She then put his sample uh, into what's called a standalone GC machine, which we've talked about, which is never mentioned. I don't think it's mentioned in OIG. I haven't seen it mentioned by the, the media. I've told reporters about this. They don't care. It's a big yawn. <laughs> but there's this machine that is not capable of saving electronic re results. It just prints out a piece of paper that Annie Dukin went out of her way. And I don't know how long it takes to run things through the standalone GC, but it takes a while. So she took samples that she wasn't sure about and ran them through the standalone GC to try to figure out what it was. And sometimes it'll tell you, sometimes it'll say ibuprofen or some, you know, it'll tell you what it is. And so no one has come, and I'm sure when she used that machine, I'm sure it's a big thing. Other people saw her using it, right? It's not like she went into the bathroom and was was huffing glue. She's using a machine that's for some reason in the lab that everyone can see, and no one has explained why. So that's what infuriates me about a lot of this is even the cover story that we know is 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 very misleading because it's suggesting that this was a mistake of 
um, you know, uh, uh, understandable set of mistakes, when in fact this was egregious behavior that went well out of the out of its way to try to convict people. Right, and they even had a whole scam machine. Like there, it was a whole, like you said, conviction mill. Again, Ilias, ninety six percent positive testing rate in this lab. Ninety six. That is impossible. That is impossible. And and the reason we know that is because the OIG told us that that was the rate, and they told us to tell to excuse Annie Dukin from favoring prosecutors. They said they couldn't figure out in their report, they said they couldn't figure out why she would change a negative uh, sample to a positive, but, it but they knew it wasn't to help prosecutors win cases. And the reason they knew that was because her average uh, positive testing rate was in line with the rest of the lab and the rest of the lab was 96 freaking percent. Like, <laughs> Only they would have the balls to make something so fucking stupid as that. Right. Um, that, that doesn't make it sound more innocent, right? That makes no, it that makes crazy. it sound you should look at everybody. That, that, that yeah. indicts the entire lab. Right. That indicts the entire lab. If so if ninety-six was the average, there were some that had ninety-nine to a hundred, right? Right. So go to three. Three. With respect to this sample, Sasha Haynes as the primary chemist made a preliminary identification of the sample as cocaine. The sample was run five times, five times on the GCMS. The first three times did not show the presence of cocaine. The fourth time the GCMS showed a peak at the right time for cocaine, but it was not conclusive. And there were a number of other peaks suggesting a mixture of substances. The last time the GCMS, uh, run indicated a strong peak of cocaine at the right time for cocaine and no other visible peaks. The Hinton lab confirmed the sample as cocaine, class B. When NMS tested the sample, it found no control substances. What the fuck? And this was Sasha Haynes. <clears throat> Clearly she spiked the sample. <clears throat> Why? Five times, Ilias. Well, and, and what's left out is that um, Sasha Haynes, assuming it's her, right? Yeah. Going on the paperwork, but um, that she actually did the color uh, tests and microcrystalline tests and, um, and found weak results. Um, and, and, and so that's the same thing as in, in my client's case. So again, this idea that this was we're behind, so let's just dry lab. And then if we get an inconsistent result, let's just, you know, in it for expediency sake, spike the sample, um, which is inexcusable under any fact pattern. I'm not saying it would ever be excusable, but I'm just saying they, there, there was this attempt to create this narrative that, you know, when you're rushed, you know, sometimes rules just get broken, right? right. But that's not what happened here. Sasha Haynes did the test and knew before it was ever loaded into a GCMS machine that there might be a problem. So to me, the minute that result comes back negative, you have done your job, you have earned your paycheck from the taxpayers of Massachusetts, and, and you, can, you can knock off, right? Fill out your paperwork, you get to go home because you tested the thing you were supposed to test and it came back the way it came back. And that's what scientists do. 
Right. And I don't. So why there's long paragraphs about what happened after the negative GCMS result is completely troubling. And I don't know why that hasn't received any attention. Why do we have government uh, uh, supposedly scientists who are doing unscientific stuff? I, I don't know why. Well, I, we both know why, because they're, they're not scientists. They are conviction robots. All they care about is throwing people in jail and rigging the evidence until it comes out the way they want it to come out. <laughs> With respect to this sample, so this is, an, this is another sample, Kate Corbett as a primary uh, chemist made a preliminary identification of the sample as unknown. The sample was run four times on the GCMS. The first time the GCMS found uh, venlafaxine. The second run found weak oxycodone mainly the third run found um, acetamophrine. The fourth run found, uh, Jesus, like a new drug every time. Yeah. Acetaminophen, uh, which is Tylenol. Yeah, excuse me, acetaminophen. The fourth run found uh, DIL, I, I don't even know, D-I-L-T-I-A. Dilazamine. Dil, Dil. I don't know, it might be misspelled, but. Annie Dukin was a confirmatory chemist, made a finding of uh, Venzil vaccine after the fourth run and the Hinton lab confirmed the sample is Venzil vaccine class E. When NMS tested the sample, it found oxycodone class B. <laughs> Weird. Like that, that just reeks of incompetence. With respect to the next sample, Kate Corbett was a primary chemist, made a preliminary identification of the sample as unknown. The sample was run three times on the GCMS. The first time the GCMS found a weak oxycodone. The second time it found uh, venilaxamine. Uh, the, the third time it found oxycodone. The Hinton Drug Lab confirmed the sample as oxycodone. When MS uh, tested the sample, it found uh, venilaxamine. <laughs> And then you want me to read the last two Dukin ones? There's there's two more Dukin ones there. Actually, there's th there's four more Dukin ones. Well, I like the one um, that has the read eight. Eight because is I like eight because it's interesting. Yeah. Um, with respect to this sample, Annie Dukin, as a primary chemist, analyzed eleven pills, ten of which were monogrammed with an M and one of which was monogrammed with an A. Dukin made a preliminary identification of both acts of pills as oxycodone based on the appearance and labeling. The sample with the M was run twice through the GCMS. The first time the GCMS found um, trimaterol. The second time the GCMS found oxycodone. The sample with an A was found to be oxycodone with both times it was run through the GCMS. Hinton confirmed both samples as oxycodone. When, N when NMS analyzed these samples, it determined that the pill monogram with an M was uh, trimaterol and the pill monogram with an A was oxycodone. It is important to note that during the time frame, the Hinton lab had noticed an influx of counterfeit oxycodone tablets that were actually trimaterol. Right. So tra tramadol. Um, tramadol. And, and I think that's a pain, uh, pain medication. Um, 
So what what what's concerning about this one is that um, that you you know you're 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 in part going by what the marking is, yes, on, on the pill, and I'm not sure which way it cuts that, that at this time they noticed an influx of counterfeit oxycodone pills, um, but I don't know if that matters, right? Um, whether you know there are or you you don't know. Um, looking at what's monogrammed on a pill is not going to be conclusive. Right. Well, it matters to them because they don't really do the testing, right? So so they just want to, I mean, they do do the testing, but they they just want it like, oh, we've had a lot of oxys. They kind of look right. like this, you know. But look, but look at what it's saying, right? So let me, let me try to read between the lines here because I, I do like this one. So Annie Dukin, at a time when they knew that there were counterfeit oxycodone pills that were actually tramadol, okay? Yeah. But they were supposed to look like oxycodone. She gets a pill that uh, that um, she identified as oxycodone, right? Both are identified as oxycodone on her preliminary identification. Then they run it through the GCMS and they find tram tramadol and tramadol is not as sexy, right? That's class E. Yeah. Uh, uh, oxycodone is class B. So that's not okay, right? And I'll give you one reason why that not, might not be okay. <laughs> I've always said this. It's not in the lab package. But what if the person had a prescription for tramadol? I assume that there are people in the United States who have prescriptions for tramadol because someone sells tramadol for profit. Right. Okay. So I, that's my evidence that people get prescriptions for tramadol because there's tramadol. And uh, and so if you have a prescription for tramadol, then poof, there goes any criminal case. Yep. So she takes the one look at the GCMS result. And again, I think when it comes back and says tramadol, you say, you grab your jacket and you say, thanks everyone. I'm going to go grab lunch. Uh, my work is done here, right? Why do you keep doing, why is there a second run? And right. the second run, it magically becomes oxycodone. And what NMS found is that it was tramadol. And they don't say, but reading between the lines, they went out of their way to say that something that was that maybe looked like oxycodone was tramadol, but they went out of their way to make it uh, come back as oxycodone, which I'm just going to say is more illegal. Because again, I don't, until someone shows me proof that you don't have a prescription, I'm not going to say tramadol is illegal. You can right. have a prescription, it could be fine. Um, <clears throat> so that's what's concerning, that even though this is an Annie Dukin case, what's the secondary chemist doing? Right. Right? How does well, tramadol she's become... she's forging the initials and not telling anyone. Right. How does tramadol become oxycodone? Why is the chemist not... Why is the secondary chemist allowing a retest? I think that's that should be uh, 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 examined or should have been examined in more detail. If I were the secondary chemist, I wouldn't let people mess up my work by running stuff again. Because now you run it again, and now which one is going? Which one are you going to believe? Is it a, is it like best of three? Is it best of five? How, you know how do you, how right. do you resolve discrepancy? At what point are you like this is fucking ridiculous? Why do you keep testing this? Like we got right. a million other samples to get through. Right, like, and science has been answered. Science has the answer, which is you do it once and you're done. Yes. That's experiment. And and dude, it they only ever tested, this is their dead giveaway. They only ever tested positive once, right? 
There was right. no retesting if it was posit a clean positive. If it was negative, it always got a retest. That's the dead giveaway. Right. It, and, it and then the last the last one is a, is a spike sample. Dukin was a primary chemist. She made a preliminary identification as cocaine. The sample ran twice on the GCMS, the first time with no peaks. The second time, the GCMS found cocaine. The Hinton lab confirmed it as cocaine. When NMS tested the sample, it found nothing. <laughs> like, right, and again, it's worth noting that they don't mention, um, they don't mention who the secondary chemists are. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it matter in this? This is a criminal referral involving Kate Corbett, Sasha Haynes, and Annie Dukin. The secondary chemist on that last sample that you read was Kate Corbett. Right. Right. Isn't that kind of relevant? I'd say so. So if, Kate if Corbett is not above spiking a sample, allegedly, according yeah. to the Office of Inspector General in a criminal referral, but she's beyond reproach when she's the secondary, when she dons that that solemn responsibility of being the secondary chemist. Right. Uh, she, she's just she calling balls named. and strikes. And, yeah. And, you know, she definitely didn't lie on her resume. She had those credits, Ilias. Are we getting to that one yet or no? <laughs> I, I think we've been over it, right? We've been we, over it, but I think that we now have some more insight into why Ms. Ms. Corbett seems to have escaped any a consequence for lying about a, a degree, a chemistry chemistry degree that she didn't have, right. is that she convinced the uh, the OIG that well, or was it was it the AG's office? I forget who, but that um, well, she did all the coursework, so she might as well have had that degree. Yeah, it's which it's is, pretty much you know, I mean, she might as well she she did all the classes, so. You know, then, then why the hell, like, but, okay, why wasn't she a chemistry major if she did all the classes? Right, what, then, what was, wasn't she a sociology major? She was a sociology major. Right. And why not just say that on the stand? Oh, that's right, it looks bad. So uh, it, it makes you look like it'll call into question your credentials as a chemist. And I, I haven't seen, I, by the way, I haven't seen any proof that she, in fact, uh, qualified for that. I yeah, know just there said was... There was reference that there's, you know, she was she was a double major and she had credits. But as anyone who's gone through the labyrinthian educational system in this country knows, it's easy to 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 mess stuff up. Right. I, how many people have you heard? They're like, oh, I'm one credit short of this, or you know, yeah, I could have I could have been pre med, but I never took orgo. I yep. mean, there's all these like, like things you have to do, and you don't get a degree until you have that piece of paper. Right. It's like right? you could the say pending illegal you could say pending i suppose yeah right degree forthcoming but until you get that piece of paper and you don't know you can't say it right and it's to me it's the whole this drug um bzp was almost illegal so no big deal not yet right not not yet illegal right not yet illegal right. all right so do you want is there anything else you want to hit or is that is this enough yeah, I think I think um, um, I think that's that, that's the 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 gist of it. So we've covered. There may be other chemists, by the way, who are subject to referral, and we can note that in many of those early letters that we read, it doesn't it doesn't limit the chemists, right? So BZP right. 
it could be as far as we know all the chemists but we know that there were other referrals besides Annie Dukin made by the OIG at a time that it knew that um that uh that it had concluded that Dukin was the sole bad actor right in its public proclamation yes so i think that that um now has really blown the lid off of the um you know the 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 naked lie that the OIG report represents yeah just right? their that is hypocrisy yeah and and their and their desire and and their willingness to totally bes- just like just destroy their own reputation by telling such a obvious transparent lie well they i don't yeah they didn't destroy their reputation cuz uh, no one knew uh, until recently and now you know according to the media it's probably going to be old news already right so yeah well so, exactly yes uh so i haven't seen a lot of blowback I, yes the globe had an article um this week that was ignored yeah uh but i think this is you know there's not going to be any outrage um and and i will say that that and we'll try to get um one of the lawyers involved in this ongoing litigation um but uh when they're able to talk but uh, I will note that OIG specifically, uh, uh, or rather the AG's office specifically was asked by a judge if there had been criminal referrals. And the answer was, I'm not aware of any. Yep. Which was followed by a letter the next day, which is, well, I I, I shouldn't have answered that question. <laughs> Um, but the fact of the matter is you did answer the question. You said uh, what, what, what I would, and this, is, this happens to lawyers, right? You, you may um, innocently say something to the court that turns out not to be true. So right. you, you know, the judge asks you, well, has your client ever, you know, whatever, has he ever uh, uh, been arrested? And you say, judge, to my knowledge, no. Then you go back to your office, you call your client. The client's like, wow. Here's the thing. Oh, was I arrested? Uh, here's something I haven't told you. I was arrested. And you're like, ah, but I just told the judge I didn't know about it. So then you send a letter the next day, um, as sometimes lawyers have to do. And you say, I, you asked me this question on the record. I answered this. Here's what my answer should have been. And that's because lawyers have a duty of candor to the court. So that's not only do everything that you say has to be true, you know, to the best of your knowledge at the time you say it, but you have to correct anything that might have been incorrect or misunderstood when you learn of that down the road and so to say i shouldn't have answered that question and not correct what a misstatement that you've already made right Um, and a misstatement of this magnitude because it flies in the face of of what they said but to your point like this is like i say it besmirches their reputation because it does but it, it it doesn't in the eyes of the public because the public does not give a shit and the media does not give a shit. Like they ran these stories in the Globe, they ran these stories in WBUR, and right. it didn't even move the needle like two inches. Besides, like a couple people on Twitter. That's well, it. Well, let me just say that that <laughs> I'd love to poll Massachusetts residents on: Do you even know? Is true or false? Is there something called the Office of Inspector General? And until <laughs> I just asked this question, have you ever heard of it? I'd love to see that. <laughs> Second thing is let's look at the evidence has you know usually when 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 somebody like in the uh, an attorney general 
screws something up royally, usually that's kind of like end of career. Okay. Yeah. So let's look at the two AGs, the two most recent AGs. Has this has this lab thing blown up in their face? And the answer with Martha Coakley is no. Yeah. She lost the governor race, not because of this lab thing. Because yeah, she lost cares. it because she sucks as a politician. Yeah. And and I doubt that Jewel is going to find out. I doubt anyone at Jewel is listening to this podcast and is like, we got to get rid of General Coakley. Yeah. Right. I doubt that's going to happen. Um, no. you know, Jewel, Jewel is out there plotting things probably uh, equally as bad, to put it charitably, as anything that we've covered here. Correct. Um, uh, with their flavored, you know, uh, um, uh, smokeless tobacco products, right? Right. Uh, conveniently in flavors that kids like. Um, uh, uh, and so, uh, and then the other attorney general is now governor. Yep. And she so was, I would say, if anyone's worried about like the reputational damage uh, for people who have, you know, either retired, gone into lucrative private practice, or are now uh, have, have continued to climb the governmental ladder, I would say there's no blowback. None whatsoever. There might be someday. We can we can hold out hope. Right. I mean, Annie Duke can spend some time in prison. Sonia Frock spent some time in prison. Um, you have three AG uh, assistant AGs who are, I guess, waiting to hear what their um, suspension or disbarment outcome is going to be. I and Papa seen... Christos got fired from Northville County. Never forget. Okay, and then or and... resigned. Yeah, and then he went and he went on welfare. No, he's working. As, no, right? he's a lawyer. He's he's, he's a, a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. So uh, the reality is, there's no consequence here. It's it's. I mean, yes, there's there's a few slaps on the wrist. Yes, we're waiting for the SJC. I think to meet out the 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 suspensions or or disbarment for the three uh, assistant attorney generals. Um, but beyond that, uh, it doesn't seem like it really affected anyone. Half the chemists either went to work for the state police or went to work in a different position somewhere yep. in this government or in a, in a different state. Yep. At the, or if one became a realtor and I reached out to her on a realtor website and she's like, was so pissed off. Oh my God. It was hilarious. Right. Uh, anyway. to see the, the chemistry degrees being uh, put to good use. That's right. Um, okay. Well, that's all we had for, uh, this week, guys. Thank you as always for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back. Chris is going to be back. Uh, he's, he apparently might be getting some new documentation from CPCS on all this. So we, we may be back with some new re revelations. So until then, uh, again, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, like, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye now.